Hello and welcome to another episode of St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis, and I am joined as always by the Archdeacon, the Venerable Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good day to you, Lindsay. I'm doing okay, except trying to just acclimatize uh, myself to the little bit of cold chills we're receiving these days, in spite of the beauty of the sun shining. Family's all okay. Um, we've now uh, had our first vaccine, and we are encouraging others who are eligible to go at this moment in time to do so. Apparently, I believe that there's a site now also created in the Sarepta area, mm-hmm. but apparently they, um, uh, thankfully they used up all their dosages, which means people are, um, you know, listening. And I hope that that could extend itself in, in our country. But other than that, uh, all, all is well with us and the family, and we trust the same for you, Lindsay, and your family. Uh, yes, um, there's been some interesting vaccine situations going on where, uh, my in-laws have both received their first Pfizer shots um, at the clinic here in Yesterday. And then there was a complaint from someone who I know who was saying that old people were being turned away um, now in this week um, from the clinic. But when my in-laws went, they were told that the they only receive new batches of vaccine every two weeks. Um, and then they go until they're done and then... Obviously, the people come back when when there's more. So, yeah, there's a lot of that. People must please be patient. Please wait for your SMS or your whatever, um, your notification. Uh, please register. Um, walk-in registrations are also fine. That is great. But, yeah, it's good to see that people are out there getting the vaccine. Apparently, the next batch of Johnson & Johnson, there's a lot of motivation now in government to reserve those for educators, which I think is the best kind of... Uh, move right now because once again teachers are not getting infected in the schools they are getting infected in their private homes in their private lives private capacity but that then does affect their ability to do their job and then you have to like close the school we had a situation at my daughter's school actually where there was a COVID positive there there was a weird strange situation where she had attended a wedding her sister's wedding there was an uncle who came there who had the flu, uh, in air quotes, doctor pre- uh, diagnosed the flu. Um, and yeah, now her father is on life support um, with oh. COVID. So my only question is, why would you go to a public gathering if you are feeling sick? And two is, how do you interact with someone who fatally infected one of your family members yeah oh man that's that's terrible that's really terrible but i think you you know you are right i think we think because the vaccine's around possibly now we are we're all okay and we start going back to old habits and i think we must be very cautious going forward we need to adopt the good things we learned um, during this time, you know, masking and sanitization are all going to be things of the future. Because when I listen to some of the news reports, particularly now that the new debate has opened around 
where did it start and mm. what what is what is its real origins and i've been following uh, gravitas on on online um an indian um news and i find the, that they are pretty pretty clued up and it would seem as if they pretty much informed as to some of the news reports that they get and one of the things was them showing um a back cave where people who initially explored there's this task team who goes out to to search for how bat in uh, how animal infections can get into human beings and mm. all of that but then they, then they take the stuff to the lab where they study it and research it then of course it gets out on in the lab so that was the one issue where did it start and why was the video taken in 2019 and never released until now the second thing is yeah. that europe is now um the finger been pointing at europe who is um not wanting the patency on 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 vaccines to be forgo forgone in place of getting it to vaccine to everybody so they selfishly wanting to maintain the vaccine and um one of the pharmaceutical companies pharma um is in you know in bed with them how many million rand they paid to continuously having meetings with people so that they could resist yeah removing the patency so this new political and economic game is being played why because um of selfish greedy reasons um mm. and the poor will suffer yet two things have been proven at least for a time in vietnam there was only one death recorded initially yes. now things have gone a little bit out of out of sync and there's new variants there but the other thing is haitians have responded to this in such positive ways that they've kept the disease under control so how is it that so called impoverished third world countries have done better and you asked that question the other day how is it that in african countries they've done better when it came to how this virus could be curbed mm. that should open shouldn't that open the eyes of those whose minds are so polluted with money and power Yes, but the island nations, as we've seen with New Zealand and Australia, um, if you are isolated like that, it can be quite easy to keep under control because you just lock everything down everything and stop down, everybody yeah. from coming in. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I, I don't know when this is going to end. I was on an airplane this week for the first time since February. Yeah, 2020. before all the crazy lockdowns and stuff happened the second sunday after is why the world of god matters so besides for feeling a bit personally attacked um i will put those feelings aside and could you please call us together with a collective prayer and i will catch up with you after that god who raised the lord jesus to life is with you Welcome to the podcast on the second Sunday of Pentecost in the year B 2021. Grateful that you've joined us again. We hope that you encourage others to be part of this conversation which in a very relaxed way we try and speak of very very serious things not just about scripture but how scripture relates to life. 
Uh, it's mattered about faith in life. And as Lindsay always said, an explore, exploration of faith in a time of crisis. This, of course, leads us to pray together the collect for this second Sunday after Pentecost. And uh, this is on the screen. So let us pray together. Our Father, from whom every family on earth takes its name, help us to do your will that as sisters and brothers of Christ, we may love and serve you and one another. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Paul's second letter of Corinthians is a amalgamation of his actual second letter and his fourth letter um, to the people of Corinth, and he's kind of defending himself throughout it. But the, the verses that I want to bring your attention to are, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus to life, will also raise up with Jesus and take us together with you into his presence. All of this is for your sake, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, they will offer to the glory of God more prayers of thanksgiving. For this reason, we never become discouraged. Even though our physical being is gradually decaying, yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. And this small and temporary trouble we suffer will bring us tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. So this is, again, rehashing this idea that the life we're living now is temporary and we actually want to get to that eternal afterlife. It's something I've brought up in the past. I do not agree with. I would like you to defend this idea, Father. <laughs> you brought it up in the past and I tried my best to defend it. Um, <laughs> is this world... That and this life that we are living, all about the physical and that which we are able to touch, the tangibility of life. Is this what life is really about, the beginning of life? And also that this physicality, this physical experience and exposure to a world of, of, that catches the physical eye, um, all that there is. I want to argue that, and, and Paul says it drawing on Psalm 116, I spoke because I believed. Mm. That is the, the essence of theology. Um, because I believe I speak, because I believe I explore. I believe we are made in such a way that our minds and our souls respond to the physicality and we look then beyond the physicality to where does this really come from? What's the origins of the origin? So is there a, a, a being, a mechanism to which, from which this physical world comes and to which this physical world is going towards? Mm -hmm. Can the physical exist without what Paul coins here as the spiritual. Um, he, he keeps open alongside our physical being and the spiritual being is held together. But there is gradual decay on the physical. We know that with aging comes decay. Mm -hmm. What was once smooth becomes wrinkled. 
and 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 then he says but we are we are not just physical and should be worried about all of this decaying and this aging we are also spiritual and the spiritual is renewed day by day so should we be be, be attending to ourselves both on the physical part as well as on the spiritual part, and does our mental uh, um, mental state uh, combine to what you know um, we talk about our gut feeling? Um, somehow, do we know who we are and what we are made up of? So he says here, I spoke because I believed, not because I've seen only. Mm. So we, in my view, is we look beyond the physical because somehow within the physical, the question arises, where do you come from? What kind of world do you come from? What kind of power and being brought you about? Why is human interest also in that sphere? What is the origin of the origins? And, and so does, does the spiritual part of us, the spiritual being within us, does it seek to explore the world beyond the world? Is it interested in the world that holds our world up as minute as we are in the whole universe? Is there something that our hearts yearn for that the physical world cannot respond to, but maybe point to? So, so when I talk of things, it's not just of what I see and have researched. It's what I've come to believe. And I certainly believe that alongside my spiritual being is my spirit my physical being. They're held in tantum, but at the end he talks about our physical being as a tent in which we live. Now, of course, Paul is dealing also with Greek thinking and Greek um, understanding. Um, very much influential, but he was also enriched by his um, Hebrew background which didn't divorce the spiritual from the physical, which the, 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 um, which the Greeks would have done, but would have seen everything as part of, of a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, Hebrew minds didn't departmentalize us. Um, but talking to, to, to a world where Greek thinking was paramount at that time, um, and we can't argue that both the Hebraic understanding and um, Greek understanding influences the way we think and have come to believe as Christians. So taking what Paul is saying here, looking at ourselves as a, as, as a bigger whole, is there something within me that is beyond my physicality? Why do I have a mind that is beyond just the brain? Why do I have a gut feeling 
a bag of emotions that's beyond the organs within me. When they talk about our senses, is that only just attached to the nervous system? Because if our brains, which contains our minds, and as I'm thinking now, I can feel that my mind is working. So something at the top of my head <laughs> is producing, um, you know, a kind of response to the question you've made. So, so, so certainly, I think that when we look at the physical world, there is a search and exploration beyond where does this origin come from and why does it have the life we live? So our, so our hearts continue to search for the deeper meaning of life. Mm. And that's sort of how I understand it. And, and then his response to that would be that can life ever truly be lived meaningfully without God's grace given for us? Mm. Does life depend just on you and me, on the parents that we come from, and on what we do with our lives in response to the world we see and hear and touch? And my, my last point at this juncture is to say, why do we explore this world, even just its physicality? I think we explore to find our own limitations. We were talking earlier about like the, the recklessness of youth and the need to push the boundaries. It, it's more coming to terms with how much influence you have on the world around you. And I say this at a time where influence is quantifiable um, via social media. It's not really true influence, but we found a way to measure the impact somebody has on their peers. And um, it's, we, we, we live in, in a vain, very, very vain time now. Um, but I think... In, in, in this, this, this idea of like in verse 18 where he speaks of for we fix our attention not on things that are seen but on things that are unseen. What can, see, what can be seen lasts for a time but what cannot be seen lasts forever. So just to take us back to like Corinth at the time was very much like Cape Town is right now. It was effectively the Cape Town or the New York or the it was like this cultural melting pot of people from different backgrounds coming together and living in quite a hedonistic way. Um, because of their varied backgrounds, there was many different religions, belief systems, um, a lot of pagan rituals going on. And for Paul to kind of work his ministry in this community was 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 an interesting task. It was a difficult task to take on and one that he quite succeeded in, um, uh, caught on quite nicely. But then once he had left, you still had the infighting because now everybody understands it from a different perspective. And I think, I think we sometimes lose 
sight of the fact that the communal kind of understanding is is the journey like i believe my purpose on life at my purpose in the world in life is to just live among other people and carve out a little space for myself and my family so that i can pass those lessons on for better or worse to the next generation and yeah i have said it many times before that i revel in that idea and therefore cannot reconcile in my own mind that there's something greater beyond this because i don't actually care for it like i i i i really enjoy what's going on now well enjoy is a very broad term um specifically right now my life could be a lot better um i could have more things um uh but it's more financial and that that sort of thing just to be more comfortable um but when it comes to being surrounded by love and happiness and that sort of thing um yeah i i'm still quite energized that's why that's why i i always have this argument with you of like but this is the moment this is what we we having right now this is life can is there yeah. anything better than this yes there is can you tell me where the love can be seen no so does love does love last forever no so you were saying that love ends when when someone does something unreconcilable so you saying that love doesn't have love it cannot be seen has the capacity to love only as far as what he, what what is what seems to be good is there when things turn into what tends to be bad love is not doesn't have the capacity to handle that so that is there not a fruit of love that says well the way to express love when something bad goes wrong is either to forgive without accepting a message of repentance or to command or to demand repentance so that i can forgive does the does the 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 the, the energy of love which cannot be seen but yet you said exists uh not move into where it's able to ex- to, to to expose itself in in positive things like reconciliation um even though humans cannot fully embrace the true mystery of reconciliation we can only but be part of a process towards a more complete uh, sense of reconciliation i don't know yeah. like the the love that i have for my children i i don't think they could do anything i don't think they are capable right now of doing anything that would shatter that outright but the love that i choose to have with my wife is a lot more fragile because there you kind of being vulnerable you are opening yourself up and you saying to somebody else like 
you have this kind of power over me and how they treat that power is the reflection of their caring and love for you. So, so love is not just something that you feel and express in words or actions, but it's also reciprocated by those who have a sense of your love for them. Yes. Right. Like I tell, I tell my wife every time, like, I would not ever imagine that I could marry again if anything had to happen that should shatter our relationship because I don't think I would have it in me to be that vulnerable with another person. So living in a world where risk is explored, right? you are saying within yourself, you're limiting yourself to taking any more risk with love if a marriage comes to an end by the death of a spouse. But, so you said, I, you, I don't think I would be able to marry again, but does that mean you will not be able to love again? I don't know. Like, infatuation and love are two different things. Oh, absolutely. Like, and, and, and that's where, <laughs> where a lot of people fall into the traps of like discerning between your active role in love versus that fuzzy feeling you get when you infatuate it. So why is it therefore that if we are so after the physicality of things, our inner world is the one place we seem to be most confused about. And yet it's from the inner world that we need to understand even more so in order to know what the appropriate responses are to build what you said earlier, a better world in the collective. I need my inner world yeah, but, I mean, to be able is, to respond. What is that animals. inner world? How, do, how tangible is what animals. we say? Yeah, we are instinct. animals. It's, it's, it's deeper than instinct, yeah? Because we like... Talk about emotions and feelings. We can't be altered and changed in a blink of an eye. Yeah, but I, I mean, I look, I look at my dogs, like we have the ability, if we are given a plate of food with a variety of things, most of which we don't like, um, you can choose to eat the things you don't like first and then get to the thing you like, um, whereas a dog will never make that decision. <laughs> right. They will always go for the thing that they like um, first and they'll gorge on that. It's the same thing with infatuation, and, and, and I see it so much. And, I, and I, I, I try and mentor younger or less experienced men in that, especially in the first couple of years of marriage, where it's like, I don't wear a wedding ring, for instance, because I have never been propositioned more than when I've had a wedding ring on. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I know it's dangerous to even talk about thinking of making judgments, um, but there's something about me in my personal experience when I have a wedding ring on that is 
highly attractive, which is very strange. Um, but then it's like when you when you when you get the attention, there's a there's a certain that makes you feel good, and by instinct, you would want to chase after those sorts of feelings because you think that that is when you are happiest, when you are at your best, when you are the most, the best version of yourself. But I, yeah, I try and tell people that that's always going to happen. But the commitment that you've made, if you have made that commitment of sober mind and you were serious about it and you really thought about the commitment you're making, is to achieve something greater than those fleeting moments of, of infatuation. So staying with this 18, what I hear you saying is, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't agree with things that I cannot see. So I'm, I'm only seeing, I'm only living a life that I can deal with things that I can see, which is the physicality, but you're speaking yeah. about a world I can't see, but that comes out in your breath. Yeah. You're speaking a world into being. You're speaking a, a world of mystery into being. Where does that come from? And can I see it as a tangible? Can, I can probably sense it. Why can I only sense it? Going back to the ring, therefore, this physical system, let me argue on the other side of you. I keep my ring and I've had it on ever since the day that I got married. The only time I was removed was when I had to be bigger because I got fatter. But <laughs> I've never removed the ring because my, my sense of this symbolism um, is, is of, it not only reminds me, but it helps me to celebrate the relationship that I'm living in a growing and maturing manner. So would every, anybody else then looks at this symbolism and they see you and say, if he's married and he wears that band, there's a person that I can trust, who is faithful, that would love, who's not afraid of the relationship. So let me test just how, because that's the kind of person I long for. Mm. So the symbolism is the outward thing, projecting an inward need, an inward desire for risk and exploration, something I can't see, mm. but I long to explore. So what I am saying, in my view, I understand what Paul is saying. Our fixation is not necessarily because our fixation on physical things lasts for a fleeting moment. The novelty wears off very quickly. So you saw this beautiful car and you bought it. Once you started driving it, mm. come a couple of days along the line, you know, it's not really getting the attention you wanted to get because people will say, hey, they're going to speak year long about Lindsay's new car, mm. <laughs> you know. But when they talk about Lindsay's faithfulness, when they talk about how much Lindsay loves his wife and children, they write annuals about it. When you die, They'll still speak about it. It lives on, even in the mm -hmm. physical. So that which you can't see seems to have more attraction than that which we see. Because once we see something, we've made our minds up about it, and we move on. 
that which is mystery to us, that which is mystery within us, we can't hold on to. It is too, too big for us to manage. So we continue to live it, explore it, seek it. Long for it. I believe that's the world that creates the physicality which we live with. It's a bigger world than our world that continues to call to us. In the words of St. Paul, God raised the Lord Jesus to life. Death we know. Paul is saying something happened where the grave could not conceal one called Jesus Christ. Because God came into this world and raised him from this world, raised him from the grave. Um, and in that action of God, we then have hope. So we therefore don't look at the grave as the end. We look to the God who overcomes the grave, who offers life. So, so is there therefore not within me this hope for that life? As I experience this life. Because it's in this life that God comes to deal with the grave. And with death. Mm. So I long. For that which I cannot see. But yet I believe. I just want to say for the record. That that is just one of probably five reasons why I don't wear my wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the reverse of you. I lost a lot of weight um, and I was running across a busy road one day and the ring just slipped off my finger and almost died by motor accident trying to run after it. Um, the other thing is uh, my previous permanent employment. Um, I was visiting a lot of engineering sites and stuff. So like if you ever walk into an iron smelter, um, you learn very quickly how conductive metal is. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think I just went too long um, with like periods of not wearing it that I got too comfortable of like not wearing it. But yeah, um, the the uh, attention from the opposite sex does become quite an irritant as well. And yeah, I can honestly say that it's night and day between wearing. I don't know if I. Maybe smell funny if I don't have a ring on. <laughs> uh, but well, I'm moving grateful. on. I, I'm grateful I don't have the attraction you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to other demons uh, in the gospel, which is according to Mark chapter 3, verses 20 to 35. Um, I will bring you down to uh, verse 22. It's, and the scribe came down from Jerusalem, said he is Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his poverty, his property without first, try, first tying up the strong man. 
then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. As someone who has probably been called blasphemous many times in his life, where do we draw the line? Yeah, it's very interesting that when one looks at some commentaries, commentators, the, the family who identifies Jesus as he has gone out of his mind would probably be on par with what these scribes had accused Jesus of. Um, so the, 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 the understanding would be, and, and this is what the church probably had to deal with and still has to deal, but deals with it less than it deal, dealt with it in the past because many tomes have been written uh, to iron out the initial blasphemies that the church had to, to face up to. But what, what, are, what, are, what is a blasphemy? Um, when the family heard it, he said they had gone under demand. So the interpretation of what Jesus was saying um, had said, this is madness. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he must be mad. They heard it as madness, and therefore they... So somehow their belief around madness was registered in whatever they heard. Mm -hmm. Then the scribes coming down from Jerusalem had, again, in, in light of what they understood, the, 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 because the scribes had, had dealt with the text of, 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 the, of the Hebrew Bible, they would have had and said, now, if Jesus was acting in this particular way, according to them, it can only be seen as evil. Mm. So his blasphemy is about evil and good. His blasphemy is something that you see good, but you don't believe it's good, and therefore you interpret it as evil. You see something that is mad in terms of your understanding, and therefore see it as mad. So it would seem as if even some of the blasphemies we may have uttered are not as bad and can be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. Mm. This text appears after Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate the unity and the community and the inclusivity within God. When you say, therefore, that the spirit that is within Jesus is Belzebul, the ruler of the demons, you now are saying that the, the spirit who created, helped create right at the beginning in Genesis, the very text you read and learn, uh, which controlled chaos as they understood it at the time, trying to understand how creation came into being, um, God became active and gave life. And it was good, as the, as the, as the writer says. So when you start saying what is in Jesus is not the spirit of God, then what are you saying about God? Yet you're a man and a woman that knows the text of the Hebrews and this, all that learning has made you come to discern this about Jesus. When crowds came to him that didn't even eat and he feeds them, 
when the sick comes to him and heals them. But he opposes those who act unjustly because they want to hold to their power. We have a word that says they demonized him. Mm. And that's something that plays itself off every day. But when we say that the spirit that is in Jesus is associated with evil, then what are we saying about God in God's fullness? This one who Moses spoke to and heard, this, man, this one whom Moses helped liberate the people and gave them a covenant that the interpretation of Jesus is evil rather than from God, which is good. So, in fact, Jesus pushed them to the point of saying, is this what you're actually saying about God? Hmm. Now, we don't see anything after that about their response. Hmm. It would be interesting to have understood. We're dealing with Mark. So Mark was writing very quickly. His, his focus was on Jesus and who Jesus was. And so he you moved ahead. He goes on to talk about Jesus' focus on the will of God, which was stronger to him than biological relationships. And that's my question. Why does the will of God matter? <laughs> Jesus' life his earthly life was constructed around the will and purpose of God to bring about a better world. That world that you spoke about earlier on in 2 Corinthians, the world of love, the world of justice, the world of peace, the world in which we can live as a collective with the dynamic of diversity in our thinking and yet still embrace one another. Mm. We may have different belief systems, so we don't have to be in conflict with each other. We can look for, in wisdom, the similarities that we do, we can embrace without judging and condemning each other. Jesus lived his life by the will and purpose of God, not just for the earth, because the will and purpose of God encompassed the whole of who God is in all eternity. As, as I understand it. And when you then say anybody who's seeking to live by the will of God who's trying to create a world where there is, um, the Our Father says, where we can ask God for our daily bread and share it with our neighbor if they did not receive it today, they will share with us tomorrow when they receive it. Where we forgive those who sin against us where we are not led into temptation, where we realize that not in this world does the ultimate power and glory belong. That's the world of God. That's the world of God's kingdom. That's the world in which God's spirit is helping to create. And you say it's evil? What are you saying about God? You saying it's madness? What are you saying about God? I comment always on the effect that it has had on humanity and the atrocities that are done in the name 
of furthering this idea. I, I actually had this conversation last night um, where it's the same thing with like vegetarians and now vegans um, where there's no, it's physiologically impossible for a vegan diet to be the best thing for the most amount of people. We are designed to synthesize, or at least to ingest meat. Our bodies are physiologically designed. Like there are more things that can kill you or cause an adverse reaction in a vegan nutrition plan than if you just had to eat meat. Like it's it's just, <laughs> but it's this idea of the ethics behind it and the love for the animals that then completely ignores the countless numbers of communities that are living sustainably by subsistence farming and cultivating rearing animals, um, having wonderful relationships with the animals, having the utmost respect for those animals. That's why I prefer to buy an entire animal instead of buying specific cuts of meat because you eat the entire thing for me it's having more respect for that lamb um and the effort of the farmer <laughs> you know to raise it is to eat everything from snout to tail you know uh and like with christianity it's the same thing it's like there's so much wrong when you look at how christianity is being or how the Holy Spirit is being interpreted to a lot of people and how people are internalizing it and building these narratives with like creating enemies in the world just because of differing belief systems. This 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 arrogance that this is the one and only way you should live your life. And it's like if you look at the historics of the Bible around when Jesus was doing his thing um like yeah this in this chapter he kicks off with him healing the dude on the sabbath and then that already like ruffles the feathers of and like jesus was a radical and for you for people to then take that once radical message and turn it into a very conservative restrictive idea that they want to box everybody into and if you don't fit the exact dimensions of that box that you get cast out and have suffer horrid atrocities like what's happening to um, the LGBTQI community on a daily basis um, that doesn't get reported on with people are getting cast out by their families and their loved ones because they fight in the same gender. <laughs> you know? Look, I I totally like, agree with you. What does it matter to you where somebody else is finding their love? Yeah. yeah, I I totally agree with you, and I would want to say again that it's not the the religion that pushes us but? to the fight. It is our insecurity about what we think we believe, that we want to protect, hence we create an enemy. 
Jesus doesn't create <laughs> enemies. The enemies create Jesus as an enemy. If you listen to when he says in verse 35, whoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother, my sister. Mm. Now, if that was the only condition to be a disciple of Jesus, then again, yet again, it's not spelled out in, 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 in all the terms because the will of God is encapsulated in the life and person of Jesus that also exudes through his teaching. So, for example, his wedding band was in somehow the incorporation of, of, the, of, of the will of God in his life. So people are attracted because what they see. That's why they, and what they experience from him, what they hear about him. And in, in engaging him and being engaged by him, we begin to understand, so this is how God really wants us to live. This is what true humanity is about. This is how we ought to be living in relation to God, the creation, ourselves, and each other. Now, when we, when we, when I say I believe something and I want to protect my belief, that's when I become a fighter. Mm-hmm. Do I really, does God need me to fight for God? Does God need me to protect the Bible? My interpretation and preaching is not about protection. It's about trying to be one that has received the message, however God sends it to me, how it's uh, processed within my being, in my life, and how I share it when we read the text together. Is not meant for me to say, now dare you anybody to disagree with me. Because if that is how I preach, then I'm not really preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not creating a world in the church that can be conducive to somebody getting up and saying, you know, in the large part, I disagree with you. Or in the large part, I agree with you. But there's something you said that really I have problems with. Now, we tested this one day when we had to investigate somebody who was being accused uh, to the bishop, the accusation of the bishop, of the misuse of the pulpit. So we had to go in and say, two of us had to go in from chapter and say, what do you mean by that? Now the sermon becomes the issue. So one of us went to go and explore it with the preacher. And the other one went to explore it with the people who had made this accusation was leadership of the parish. The preacher said in no uncertain terms, I tell the people exactly what God tells me to say to them. (laughs) That is a red flag. Because I struggle in in my grappling with the scriptural message. To understand what is God really saying to me that really needs to be spoken of now. But in my lumpness, God uses me in such a way, I believe, where the message is spoken to me and how it's spoken Mm. then others must discern. There's a whole huge thing out there about discernment of what God Mm. is saying. So that we're not, we're not, I can't therefore say today every word that comes from my mouth 
is what God is saying through me to you. And in other words, if you don't listen, you're going to be in the fires of hell. Does that really constitute proclaiming the gospel of Jesus? What they told me was nothing to do with what God had totally told him. The other people saying, how can you use the pulpit to criticize those who disagree with you? So in other words, in the Anglican church, in the Christian context, what's the purpose of the pulpit? I have understood it to be not a one-way traffic. The, pu- the, 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 the work of the pulpit, the work of preaching is both the person ordained and set apart to preach and the people who hear, which is what we are doing. We're creating a pulpit here, but not a pulpit that is exclusively yours and mine. We are saying we're exploring with you as we explore with ourselves. Where is God in all of this and what would God be saying through this text when we look at the world we're living in? So I then have serious problems and I, every time you mention and others mention, but what about the way in which Christians are fighting with other people and so on? Then I would say definitely forgive me for, 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 for being part of a body that continues to exude um, violence. How dare we bomb people and then read Psalm 23? Mm-hmm. How dare we do that? That's why we can't stay out of the Israel-Palestine uh, uh, thing. And we can't just because of Israel take sides. Mm-hmm. What is the will of God in that context? Does the will of God I mean, I was looking the other day at uh, 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 things, something on the on the Syrian crisis. Mm. I look at those refugees. A lady with is looking after nine children all by herself because her husband and a child was killed. Two of the children lost part of their limbs. Another is ill, and that boy stands out for me. They interviewed him because he needs medical assistance. Now the withdrawal from Russia could cause many problems because Russia sides with the person in charge. Mm. This boy saying they shouldn't remove it, but they should give it to the children. Yes, I need it, but there are children that need it more than me. This boy's got no power, but mm. the generosity of his heart, knowing that others are more needier than he is. But the people of power, what do they do? So what is the will of God in the context? Like, I must say, because of the chaos that I saw, that I didn't want to watch this thing. But I'm glad I did. Because that mother, she generously says, I wish it was me that had lost the limbs and not my children. Why? Because she was looking for something in the future that she hasn't seen yet, but believed to be true. If they have their limbs growing up, then the future is brighter for them than for me, who's a mother. I can only help them now. Mm-hmm. So, so those two stories tell me something about the will of God. How dare we say we know the will of God when we're destroying people who disagree with us? I was listening to Gravitas. There's a teenage girl, French girl, 
who spoke out against the Muslim religion. Part of the words that she says, I'm suffering. I'm not free because you are free. So Muslims are given freedom of speech. They give freedom of speech. So oh, suddenly I have freedom of speech, which is not true. And she's supported by her present, current president. Gravitas is an Indian program. They look at this from a Muslim perspective and says, in the face of everything happening, why do you want to start another war between religions? So why do we feel that part of our witness of our, of our faith is to protect it by killing that, those who don't believe the way I do? Mm. If Jesus protected what he believed and what he had done, he said on the cross, I can call down thousands of angels to help me fight this battle, but that's not the will of God. It is not protecting. It is living, even in death, what the will of God is. To create a better world is to give my life in opposition to that which is not of God. Mm. And God has the power to raise us to life in this new what's name. But Christians will have to look at themselves very seriously if we are all about war. But then what, what is the will of God? Because you cannot have this will only be for the good things. Because sure. by, by definition, the conflicts that we're experiencing, the turmoil and the poverty, and the, that is all the will of God if you believe in the omnipotent, all-knowing God. So, so when God created the world and created man with man's own um, ability to think, and even to oppose God. Did man therefore start creating the world in opposition to the God who made the world good? When, when, when we go back to the, to the Garden of Eden and, fellowship, and God was looking for fellowship with, with Adam, Adam hid from God. Does that story help us understand that where, where we, where, where we, where God longed for fellowship in a garden of peace. God didn't say you can't explore the garden. She said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. So there are in our physical world a limitation. There are things that we just don't do which will border on creating a world of chaos. And man is extremely good in creating a world of chaos. Just by a word we say, a war can break out. Just by a word we say, a person can crumble and die. So part of God's will would be to address the injustices with the influence of works of justice. 
with learnings of what a just world would look like, what a better world would look like. And, 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 and again, from your perspective, I am me, but I believe life is lived in the collective where I, in my little way, give something to create a better world for the next generation in the world that I'm currently mm -hmm. living in. Now, for me, that does mean opposing those things that would not create a better world. So one of the things would be, I believe in peace. So I'm going to speak into a situation where I hear that the rhetoric and the behavior is lending itself to unpeacefulness. And, and does it mean now, because I'm trying to work for a world of peace, that I may have to risk my life and die? Because I may not have power on my side from the world. Now, we do struggle with this whole thing. Does, does God allow chaos to exist? Is God seeking to implant his will into our lives through Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit in such a way that God wants to help the church live an alternate society in order for the church to help build a better world? We can't be praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven and not be agents of that world that has to be, that kingdom that has to be fostered on the earth. But Christian rhetoric across the centuries seem to be warlike. Why we always want to send people to hell, I don't know. Why we want to, <laughs> why we want an enclosed, enclosed block? Only those that are converted must stay in this little block. We are so exclusive in our thinking. That's why we call the Bible inerrant. Because everything it says, we interpret as the, as the will of God. So if it means beating up people, that's what we do. If this Bible is inerrant, right, then will what is said in this story be used by Christians to follow what the scribes have done? We be careful when we say that the scripture is inerrant. It contains the word of God, but we do know it's written by human beings. And we can have issues coming from documents that have been written long ago. So we can't just suddenly, we've got to discern what it is God's will in this in the scriptures. We can't just read what God is willing in every word and every letter and every full stop. Mm. It's much broader than that. So, so if Jesus prayed that when you pray, your world that you create is by Hallowing God is by asking God's will to come on earth as it is in heaven. It's by, and then starting to say, I need bread. But if I need bread, so does my neighbor need bread. How do I extend this action? Is that not saying I must share? It's not just about give us today. And it says give us today a daily bread. Don't give me my daily bread. And giving to us may mean also that I must share with Lindsay, who may not have enough today. And, and then forgiveness. So that prayer that Jesus prayed was already giving us an inclination into how to participate in our lives in the will of God. When you pray, this is how you pray. And when you pray, your prayer helps you to develop a life 
that you've got to live. Mm. That is why somebody said, we are prayers, those who live what we pray. That's why we've got to be careful what we pray. Mm. You know, so so I think that, I mean, I, I have real issues with those whose interpretation of the Bible is wanting to put everybody that disagrees with me in hell. And, and sometimes the hell is physical because mm. who starts the wars and on what premise are they started? If we look at most of the wars currently running today, it's either based on cultural beliefs that are shifted over to political beliefs. Um, I was just listening to a young um, democratic a representative in um, one of the states in America who was saying, when you look deeply into the Israel-Palestine issue, I mean, I learned such a lot about this. It's not a racial war, so you can't take America's racism and plant it into the Israel-Palestine conflict. Yeah. If you're going to look at the racial <laughs> issue, you're going to have to say it's brown-black people fighting against brown-black people. They are brothers and sisters of each other. It's not white fighting against black and black fighting against white. So therefore, the mm -hmm. way you help address a situation is different. Is it religious? Is it cultural? Is it political? Well, it has a tinge of all of that in. Therefore, you've got to be addressing all of that in order to say, how does God's peace address this thing? Because the will of God is that we need to have peace between the nations. Not peace that says we must agree with everybody, but a peaceful coexistence where we, where, where we help one another rather than destroy one another. But there are Christians in America who believe in an Armageddon that they've read about in, 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 in misread about. What's them? So they want to start the war there. We now reading in, in, in the Christian, what's then called the Messianic Christianity. Now, mm. all of a sudden, our Christianity, the same thing Paul had problems with, we now want to introduce, that unless you call Jesus by, the, by Joshua, or whatever the name they pronounce him to be, suddenly that's the new Christianity. If anybody disagrees, and whoever believes that now creates their own. So they divide to rule. It's all about an eye culture. People blindly follow it. Why? Because our attention is taken away from Jesus. We, we don't read the Jesus of the gospel. Mahatma Gandhi said, and that's so clear. I don't believe in your Jesus. That chucks me out of this church. Because I happen to have another color skin and speak in a different kind of dialect than you, accent than you. I believe in the Jesus of the New Testament. Did those people who threw him out of the cathedral really hear what he said? But, but Mahatma was also a flaming racist. <laughs> well, I think I think we have to like 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 with 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 Judas Iscariot, whom we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. There's a Judas in all of us. We have to know that. 
as there's a racist in all of us. And we got to know that. But know also that God, by the mercy of Jesus, can redeem us from that. But he cannot, we cannot really feel the effects of the redemption if we're not acknowledging it, owning up to it. You know, that's why recently it's become a very uh, important prayer to me from, I think it's for Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my mind and heart be acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our, our strength and our redeemer. So, may the words, so what am I speaking? Have I really meditated on what I'm going to say right now to you? Have I really meditated? And what is meditation? Placing myself before God and thinking, trying to think in the ways God wants me to think in order to, when I share it, it is gospel to people. It is good news to the poor, as Jesus says. It is liberation to the captive. It is, it is um, healing for the wounded. It is life for that with persons who have died. So, so if that is what the will of God is, then I seriously need to look, the psalmist says, from the words of my mouth to the meditation of my heart. So again, it's saying, what's in your inward world? What is in my inward world and what is informing it and transforming it? This is where I believe scripture is so important. The help and assistance of the Holy Spirit to discern what I'm reading. Because my inward world, if it's just about me, will be a very selfish, destructive world. If I only listen to what I have to say and what I think. That world needs to be informed. It needs to be transformed. I think I'll finish by saying um, that the only source, credible source we have in the Bible of the will of God is the words of Jesus. And as a word nerd, I look at the language that is used and Jesus never, the Jesus that I read, what I read on the page, he never condemns he never speaks ill of anybody else's beliefs. He only acts out against the powers that he sees kind of betraying their purpose. Um, like the scribes and after themselves. And then when the apostles go out post Jesus and try and apply those teachings to other situations, circumstances, it starts breaking down. Um, and there we cannot read into what the will of God is. That is a man, a group of men, people trying to apply what they learned, what they can remember from their perspective on different situations. And then it's just like, Timothy, come on. <laughs> Dude, really, really got it wrong. <laughs> um, wow, one of the pastor letters. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, when, when discussing this will of God, we can only draw on the information, the facts that we have, as if you believe it or not, but those would be the words directly from 
the God who walked amongst us, if that is what you believe. And on that note, I will close and you can close too. And then please extract a few brief other points of reflection from the praise of the church, Father. You have left it hanging, but I won't speak to that now. Um, we'll talk about it in another stage. <laughs> our call is this week uh, in our prayers that our hope is in the Lord's word. So now let us wait for the Lord. And perhaps we can practice um, silence and solitude. Think about what God wants us to think about. Our prayers are built on this understanding that Almighty God, who is our Heavenly Father, have taught us to pray. And in our prayers to give thanks to God for all people. That is the teachings of prayer. So when we pray, we pray for the universal church. That it may know the power of God's spirit. And that as a collective, we may come to agree in the truth of God's holy word and live in unity and godly love. God teaches us to pray for those who minister amongst us. We thank God for all those who minister to amongst us as staff of parishes, office staff, domestic staff, um, security staff, all kinds of people, those who are in ministries of the church. We continue to pray for our bishops, and all other ministers of your word and sacraments and pray that their life and teaching um, through it, your glory may be revealed and that all nations are drawn to you. Our praise that you, Lord, will guide and prosper all who strive for the spread of good news. So may you, by your spirit, enlighten all places of work, learning and healing. Lord, you call us to pray for those in authority and responsibility among the nations. As we hold all nations before you, we pray that those who rule them will do so with wisdom and justice, with the intention of always seeking to promote peace and well-being in the world. We pray, Lord, for those listening into this podcast, all the congregants of our, of our community at Tales River, St. Monica, St. Mark's, and St. George. We have different callings. Give us your heavenly grace so that together we may hear your holy word today and every day with reverent and obedient hearts so that we may truly serve you all the days of our life. Lord, you call us to ask for your compassion and comfort and healing on all who suffer trouble, sorrow, need, or sickness. And yes, Lord, there's much more illnesses around than just the COVID-19 effect. As we hold them before you, we know that our immediate challenge is what COVID is doing to many people. As we remember the sick, there are three people, Lord, that we know are in hospital at this time, needing our prayers. 
So we pray for, for Margaret Cora, for Nicholas Pasquale, and for Deidre Benjamin. And then we pray in this time of COVID, author of life, savior of the nations. COVID is humbling, but your grace is sufficient. The many deaths we mourn. For the recoveries, we give you thanks. For the compassionate care, we applaud. For the vaccines, we are grateful. For compliance, we plead. For the common good we pray in the healing name of Jesus. Lord, violence continues to exist amongst us. So we pray this prayer to create awareness, advocacy and activism against violence of all sorts. And against gender-based violence in particular. Lord, like Samuel, we pray to you to assist our government and all responsible for law and order. To listen with compassion to the pleas of those victimized by all forms of violence and give families and communities the will to assist bringing perpetrators to justice. And then we pray that you may bless Africa, guard our children and guide our leaders and give us your peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. In conclusion, my dear friends, we say go now praising God's name with your whole heart. Rejoice in the work of the Holy Spirit. And even when others call it evil and denounce you as mad, be the two sisters and brothers of Jesus by doing the will of God always. And may God extend God's grace to you and through you. May Christ Jesus walk with you in the midst of trouble. And may the Holy Spirit prepare you for glory beyond all measure. Thanks for joining in. We thank Lindsay for his leadership. Go in peace now to love and serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go in the name of Christ. <laughs>